like, what is it though? What is the thing about over? We we over communicate. We're like as if that's a good thing. That's not a good thing. That's like that resume I showed you earlier. Like over communicating is not a good thing. Commun just like over documenting, it's not. A good, I guess we're. I guess to the show now because we're on one of my standard brands already. Like over documenting is not good because the problem is is it's more likely to be wrong and out of date, and it's also less likely to be read and understood and actually consumed by anyone. Yeah. When, yeah, I, when someone sends an email with one or two sentences, you read it. When they send you four paragraphs, you're like, oh, God, well, I guess I'll, I'm going to queue this up to read later. And then it slips down in your inbox. And then you know what I mean? It's like, that's what I always... I mean, there's some ideas that take some some sense of communication, though. That, like, like, I had to outline our deployment strategy for a project, and that took a bit. That, that was a good couple of paragraphs and some bullet points and expectation setting yeah and it's it's again it's all about the context like if if you know the ceo or a department leader is sending out like a, a monthly or quarterly email or something to their to the team or to the company or something really important okay yes the three or four paragraph thing that's carefully crafted carefully worded and all that but i mean i i've noticed like the most i've noticed this for a long time that people who i thought were like really effective communicators like in, in executive positions and stuff um they were they they just uh, had the shortest emails you'd ever seen. Mm. And I was like, oh, they're not they're not making they're not trying to fluff up their emails and they're not trying to sound fancy or anything like that. They're just and it's like no, they just like it's it's one or two sentences. It's like it's all you need. You yeah. Know? And I th I think that's the way email should be. I, I like to treat email almost more like, a little bit more like if I'm going to have to use it, like almost keep it closer to like instant messaging. Like just keep it simple and short. Because if it needs to be, if you need to send a one or two page email, you probably should just have a conversation anyway, because that's a freaking monologue and monologues just aren't, aren't, that, aren't that valuable. Yeah, but phone conversations are kind of a pain too, because that's, I got to make saying, that yeah, call, I got to find yeah, time, but it, you it's, schedule. it's an escalating thing. Like, you know, at the bottom end, it's like, you know, you've got texts and slacks and things like that. And then above that, you got an emails and above that, it's like, okay, we need to get on a call. It's like, depends on what you're trying to communicate. It's yeah. all about the content and effective. And that's why I'm just like that resume. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is just, this person doesn't know how to communicate. There's an art to communication for yeah, sure. Yeah, it just right. comes with experience. I guess it's not it's not something you can knock out of the park on day one. But it, so I, I say that to say that you know if you're doing that kind of stuff, it's it's a maturing process. It's yeah. an experience process. Yeah, you and, learn what works and what doesn't. And some people, people are just, actually read right. And some people are just gifted at it. Mm -hmm. I think, and some people have to try really hard. Yeah, and they need help. Well, resumes are tough because you're you're in a position where you need to sell yourself, and you want to put you want to talk about as many things as you can in terms of experience, but you also don't want to get so detailed that no one's actually going to read it. No, you have to, or it's, it's going to start sounding redundant. Uh, yeah, and you have to, as with almost any kind of communication, you need to think about who is going to be who your audience is, who's going to be reading this, and what is and what are they trying to get done. Audience is important, and should you, know, you put eight thousand bullets on your run your resume? Or should Probably you put not. like, should you like distill it for them? Because they're sifting through hundreds, hundreds of resumes and like make their job easy for them. If they want to know more information, they'll call you for an interview. That's the way this works. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, the interview process is kind of a pain too, because you end up going into like three or four interviews, which I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I mean, you end up talking to a lot of different people and getting, if, if, you, if you treat them as one-sided conversations, meaning you let them ask all the questions and you just participate, it, it starts to feel like a waste of time. But if you can interact and kind of get different people's perspectives on the company and what their thoughts are and things like that, it could be valuable. I don't think you're ever supposed to sit there and not, not have a two-way dialogue. Again, that comes with experience. My first, when I first started There's working one. and Where's my hair? when Sticker. I first started 
trying to get jobs and stuff. And I, I sucked at interviews. Yeah. Okay. I sat there and was basically, please hire me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what do I need to say? Just, exactly. I need money. Yeah. <laughs> Give it to me. Yes. <laughs> if your question is, do I need money? My answer is yes. <laughs> uh, can I, can I have that in advance? Cause I, <laughs> I'm on my last ramen right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, we're not doing a live show. So we have to do our own titles. I, that's what I know. I'm like making a list right now. Yeah. Darn it. Um, well, John, <clears throat> this is kind of a weird show. It's in the middle of the day, right? Because we, you know, we both have weird schedules this week, or at least I certainly do. I think you do. No, I do too. Day, I've yeah. got just crazy. So there was, there, yeah, there was no, uh, no announcement, no live show. It's, we're, uh, still going to be catch and release, hopefully. But, yeah. Um, last week was yeah. not technically catch and release. No, because I had to get out of here. What, what, what I had to get home you for? You had to go to the homebrew store. Oh, that's right. I had to go pick up some yeast <laughs> and some emergency <laughs> yeast. <laughs> uh, he was running out the door. I could hear his ty- tires squealing at the, out of the parking lot. He, he, was, he was in that big a hurry. I got there 10 minutes before they closed. And I was, I'm sure that there was, that place was dead. But they, they, they held the yeast I needed for me because I only had two little vials left of it. So get your brewing done? Yeah, I mean, I have this. It's for this key lime pie goza. Oh, that's right. You're telling me that. I'm looking forward to that. It's de- it's down to it was a down to about. Can we have like key lime pie with it when you bring it in? Can you like bring some key lime pie and the beer? And no, no, no. Because the, the whole the whole point is is to make the beer. I don't know. This this actually gets into something different, which is um. There's actually a brewer I really respect. Um, even though he's kind of an ass. His name's Augie Carton. They're in New Jersey. I think they're in Jersey. Um, Atlantic's not Atlantic City. Um, Atlantic Shores, maybe. I forget. Jersey Shore? No. I don't know. Whatever. Um, but <laughs> they're itty bitty. But he, um, I think he's really, he's got a, it seems, it seems like he's got a really good palate. He's like a food, he did a TED talk on on food and beer and flavors. I think it's really interesting. But he, he does a thing where he'll make like a, a coffee, he likes to do things like make a coffee stout or a, a, a bagel beer or whatever. And try to make it taste like those things without actually using any of those ingredients, just mm-hmm. using beer ingredients, because there are so many different malts available and so many different techniques and uh, different yeasts and different hops. And you know, you can make, and if you want to make a real orange and grapefruit beer, like you can do that without any orange or grapefruit. And that's actually really cool. I mean, it's it's not super impressive to just to make a big twelve percent stout and literally put chocolate donuts in the mash. I mean, okay, yeah, it <laughs> kind of tastes like chocolate donuts, and it's really horrible for you and whatever. But it's, I don't know. And a lot of people are into that—the whole pastry stout and just literally dumping, you know, all they these. All do these. That? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and making—I mean, the whole thing is to make stouts taste like you know German chocolate cake or um, you know raspberry pie or. Not the not the electronics, the actual <laughs> dessert. I mean, just you know, all these different things. I mean, uh, who was it today um, or recently in Martin House in, in Fort Worth? This week released a, and it's kind of different, but a bubblegum milkshake IPA. That does not sound good. It doesn't sound good, and I don't know. Some people are saying it's actually pretty good, but I mean, I've just I don't know. I've, I've I tend to go back and forth. I'm, it's a little bit of a pendulum. Like sometimes I kind of get in these crazy beers, but then I come back to I like beer flavored beer. Mm-hmm. But so this is this is not that actually because because for this so it, it is a key lime goza. Um, I'm making a uh, just a, a base goza, right? But I'm going to add. Um, I zested a pound of key limes, and they're soaking in a little vodka now, all that zest. And so I'm going to when I keg, I'm just going to add that into it, so to give it to the the, the lime flavor. Hmm. 
Uh, it'll still be it'll still be recognizable as beer, though. You know, it's not going to taste like a liquefied pie. No, no that, that's just, not even I'm just saying it, that's it, a good pairing. Yeah, I if guess I don't know. I think it would wash out. You'd the have beer, the sweet and right? sour. Well, they're both should be sour, right? Yeah, but the the pie should be a little bit on the sweeter yeah. side as well. You'll get that initial tart with a bit of sweetness. But you distracted me. The whole reason I went to go get more yeast is because this about a week in, um, the beer was still at like. Th- in like three Play-Doh or, or 10, 12 specific gravity. And mm-hmm. really supposed to finish at like 10, 06 or closer to like one and a half Play-Doh. And it was seemed just kind of stuck. And I thought, well, um, it's a really acidic environment because I, I kettle soured, I pre-soured it. And so supposedly the yeast just worked more slowly or you may need to pitch more yeast. And I didn't, when I pitched the yeast, I didn't do a starter or anything. So, and it was not necessarily a super fresh, but I think the, the yeast was like three months old. So it's like, maybe I just didn't pitch enough yeast. So that's why I went and bought a, mm-hmm. another thing of yeast and I made a starter like a one liter starter and added that. And it still just, it just had not moved much. Even after that, like a couple of days later, it was still at the same gravity. It might've dropped like one point, but since then I've, um, I actually, I've added, started adding heat to it. I've got it up to like 76, 77 degrees right now. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty warm, but the yeast I'm using supposedly, uh, it's optimum range is 70 to 85. So anytime you want the yeast to kick up and do the work faster, you raise the temperature. Uh, mm. So anyway, it's actually has dropped. It's um, so it was at 10, 12 and, or was it 1014, 1012, something like that? I was stuck in that. And now I've got it down to 1009. I just need to, I don't know. I, I, it's it's fine. It'll just be a little bit more sweet than what it should be, but I, I'm hoping it'll keep dropping over the next few days. I mean, I guess I could give it another week. I don't know. We'll just have to see what it does. All right, John, we need to get to, uh, you Salesforce know. Salesforce on the Salesforce podcast, right? <sighs> is that what this is? No, it's a it's a tech cloud podcast. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've got a couple of just... Uh, Kind of throw, I don't know if they're throwaway topics, whatever. That's what that's your term. They're like one of them Salesforce. But first of all, let me say this is a this is a podcast, a meta topic. I had been thinking for like a <clears throat> it's gotta be at least a month now that I'm like, man, some of my some of the podcasts I listen to just I have not heard any episodes of them in a long time. Mm-hmm. Like at least a month. And I know they're still going every day because a couple of these are daily podcasts that make a lot of money. They're they're kind of big and um I know they make a lot of money. And I know they've been, I can go and look and I can see they're releasing episodes every day. I'm like, they're just not coming through and on, on overcast. Hmm. And I would, so I would scroll through and I would, I would I'd scroll up in my, like, or the list of like the ones that are, that are newer, I guess, on my list that I haven't gotten to yet. And I would see them in there. You would see them? I would or? see them. But then, you know, I'd be like, oh, I was like, okay, cool. They're there. I just must be going crazy. And then like two weeks later, I'm just like, you know what? I still haven't heard these podcasts. What the hell's going on? And at some point, something in my overcast set all of my podcast episodes to only keep the three newest episodes from each podcast. Oh, yeah. And the problem is, so I'd have three, but because these are dailies, and this is why it was only the daily ones. A new one, a fourth one would come in. And so it would delete the third one before I even, the, the, the third oldest one or whatever, the oldest one, before I'd even get to it. Right. Because, it, you know, unless you're, because I mean, I'm usually like a week, like when I'm listening to any given podcast episode, like it's, it, it's been released for at least a week, you know, but sometimes I try to, try to get more caught up than that, but usually I'm not. And so I would just, I was just never hearing them. They'd get deleted before I would get to them. And then I, I found, and I, I've never seen the screen before, but you can go into the settings on, on, um, cause, well, cause each, each podcast, not episode, but each podcast you listen to, you can set how many episodes should you keep or just keep all of them. Right. And I was like, oh, I'll just change it to all. But then I just realized, I realized oh, I'm going to have to go in every podcast. But you can actually go into settings and yeah. there's like a mass change all of them to. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that to, setting. I just change them all to keep all. And now I'm, now I'm hearing them. But I stick so, to the three. <laughs> but <laughs> if I don't get to it. I don't get to it. 
and and for a while I thought, man, is is Marco actually like, you know, somehow like is he jacking with my my podcast? Is he is he like a deep you know preferencing certain kind of podcasts or, <laughs> you know, maybe they maybe they're not, you know, who knows? Because maybe they're not running. Uh, maybe he's giving preference to the ones that run ads on Overcast or whatever. I'm like, what what what's going on here? I knew something was up, and I was and I was. I was at least right in blaming Overcast. <laughs> Just to know exactly how it was Somebody happening. Somebody user error there, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. My second thing is, I have a security review challenge. And I, I might have talked about this, so I'm, I'm risking that this is a duplicate topic here. But um, it went away, but it's come back. And um, I'm, I'm in the process of a security review mm-hmm. with Salesforce for an app exchange package, product, whatever they're called. <clears throat> and there is a... Um, there's a, you know, off-platform component to this that, like, processes data and stuff. And it's got an API in. And the actual App Exchange app communicates it with it via its API. Okay. Okay. And part of the security um, strategy of this, of this off-platform service is it only accepts connections um, if you when you connect to it, you know HTTP, uh, HTTPS. If you um, you have to connect to it with a with a there's a single client certificate that we that we acknowledge. And if you don't have that, that's not how you connect to us. It gets dropped. Mm-hmm. Get the load balancer actually doesn't it won't, it won't even come through. Okay. And as a part of this app exchange package, you can I, th- I think we're I think we're actually packaging the certificate so you can actually Salesforce has the ability to you can through its certificate management features mm-hmm. um, you can. Import your certificate in there with the private key because the the you the, you have to have the private the if you're making a con- outgoing connection and you're using a, a a client certificate you have to have the certificate and the and the and the private key All right because you have to have the private key to to as a part of the handshake to sign to sign things um and so you can pa- you can import the certificate with the private key and Salesforce protects the private key I mean and I assume they do a good job of it. Because we actually package this with the app, um, so so the client, you know, our the customers are installing orgs. They don't have access to the private key at all. I mean, it it's used like when they when they do things or when the app makes callouts from their org to our service. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously that private key is used, but just like they don't have, they can't see the Apex code because it's managed, right? It's protected. Right. They can't. They don't have any access to the private key, and nor does Salesforce theoretically. So, as a part of the security review, you know, they want to like explore our our the API of the service. Oops, sorry. Yep, there's one for there's me. One. You have to click me now. Um, you know they want to explore this because they want to, you know, you know, analyze it for vulnerabilities and all the kinds of things. And and so the first thing that says, well, we can't connect to it. I'm like, right, that's part of my security plan. You can't connect to it. <laughs> Did I win? Am I approved? Yeah. You can't be. get in. Should you be. can't get in. <laughs> <laughs> Chiching, goal, you know, goal succeeded. Yeah. Achievement unlocked. I'm like, no, no, we we need to get in. I'm like, well, then I'm have to take I'm gonna have to take my security down. Mm-hmm. I mean that's, I mean, client certificates are authentication, right? Couldn't they install it in a, in a? St- they won't do that. They well then, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and 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 even if they did install, it, they they can't they don't they can't use it. I mean, they can they, yeah, can they still can't access the service, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could do things to the app that that would cause the app to access the service, but they don't have any visibility. They wouldn't have any visibility to that. Wouldn't they just need documentation on the methods and what they do? Or why would they even need that? I don't know. It's true. because they can't why? get to it. I mean, again, it's it's like if, what it's like if I had it's like if I had a castle and I built a giant wall around it, 
And you said, and I hired you to do a penetration test on my castle. And you said, well, I, I can't get to your castle because you built a giant wall around it. Exactly. You can't get to it. Yeah. That's part of the penetration test. And so they want me to take my wall down so they can test it. And I'm, all, I'm like, well, well, first of all, here's my, my fundamental problem. I couldn't take the wall down if, I, if you wanted me to. I can't give you the private key. If I gave you the private key, you should, you should absolutely, you should decline our security review. You should reject us. And I should be fired. Because once you give the private key out, I mean, the private key is not even, it's, not, it's, it's air gapped. It's not even on, the, mm -hmm. connect, on anything that's connected to the internet, except for Salesforce's certificate management system. Other than that, I mean, from our perspective, no one even has that key on any computer anywhere that's connected to anything. So I can't give them the key. Sure, right. so I can't email it to them or anything. I mean, how would I even get it to them? I mean, plus I, plus I can't. I can't give them the key. Yeah. Um, so I, and so I, I don't know what the other option would be. Like, do, do I do I stand up another another instance of it that doesn't require the the client certificate? But then I mean, then I'm like, well, I mean, of course they're going to be able to penetrate it. That's that, that was that part the of the security. Of them trying to review that API. Is yes, just... yes, they want to they want to explore. And I've had and this has not been a problem for me on other security reviews I've done because it we it didn't use the client certificate as part of the security strategy this app does other apps haven't so it's it's um you know it's https but there's no class certificate and um it's you authenticate by other means mm -hmm. but the way this app works is ah, gosh i wonder if i should even say this i mean the, again the, the authentication strategy is the class certificate and then the app identifies itself by its org id mm -hmm. and that's the that's the authentications that's how the authentication works and so I'm like, I, if, if I give you the key, you should, you should reject me. If I don't give you the key, you're going to reject me. I, I don't, and I, and, and the principal <laughs> problem I'm dealing with basically like, like first level mm -hmm. security review support on this. And th they don't understand that they don't understand. They don't, they're like, well, they, they think I haven't given them access to the server. I'm like, oh, you got access to it. There's the IP address. Have fun. Try to penetrate it. I'm still trying to understand. Their main goal is to test security, and and they they want you to, to relax your security yes. so they can test security. <laughs> That's okay. So you understand? You just you just <laughs> you just framed it perfectly. I, I don't. Get and it. I don't know what to do. I, so I've you know this this has been going on for three months. They basically closed. I had an open case with them where we were communicating this, and they just closed it. And so that was a couple months ago. So I, I submitted a new case, opened it back up, and I'm like, guys, can we have this conversation again? Because I got to get this app reviewed and, mm -hmm. and approved. But tell me, like, I want to try to explain this again to you guys, and I want you to listen to me this time. <laughs> please, please try to understand. Yeah, at some point you got to. But, but this is like, but this is not what. This is not how we were trained to do it. You know, we have to. We have to actually uh, exercise. They want to exercise all the APIs and everything. I'm like, well, but why? I, I don't know. What is it that uh, it's external server to, to identify security vulnerabilities? Is why. I mean, that's the only purpose of this, really. To see what data is being transported or what? Uh, maybe. I mean, just, just all kinds of things. I mean, just, just I, think the, I think the overall goal is just to find any kind of security vulnerabilities. I'm like, well, if I take down my authentication, then there's going to be a massive security vulnerability. Of course it's going to fail. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know. So, I, I, you know, this is just a tip to all uh, current or future ISVs. Like, don't... Don't don't use this particular authentication strategy because Salesforce doesn't know what to do with it. 
Do you have any? So my, my this is, you know, I'm gonna turn this into an ask John. What the hell should I do here? I How no do idea. I help my client with this? I have no idea. Uh, they have they have a contact, don't they, at Salesforce as an ISV? Don't they have like a partner contact? It's like, an, it's like an AE though. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> I mean that's. <clears throat> I mean, attack it from both angles. Just say, hey, we're trying to get our app installed. We're trying to make some money but here. But AE's not going to understand. They don't understand this. They understand blocking issues. They understand yeah. people or cases not getting resolved and clients right. being unhappy. <clears throat> well, it's not that, I mean, this, so the security team, they, they were working with me in as much as they were responding. I mean, we were dialoguing, mm-hmm. but they weren't understanding. Yeah. And like, I, I can't even stand up a service of this without the certificate. I mean, I can't do that because then it would be, then it would be open. It would be open to anyone. I can't do that. <laughs> you could have a test environment, right? I guess. It's I mean, got it, no data in it. Or it would it'd be expensive to set up another environment of this because there's, it's not, it's not a well automated mm. um, project at this point. I can't just push a button and deploy a new instance of it. What? This is the cloud. Of course you can. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I forgot. It's it's um it, it was a lift and shift. It's not it's not cloud native, John. So it's uh doesn't it doesn't take advantage of the niceties of the cloud. Mm. Uh we'll we might get there eventually. Um it just has been it's not I haven't gotten that far down on my prioritized list of uh stuff besides John. The cloud is kind of BS. And we know that. <laughs> This is this is actually a false cloud application, and we know what. Beware yeah. of the false cloud. <laughs> it's not really. It's not really cloud native. Uh, okay. Well, um, we have release notes. I, we can get into that. I saw. Some I know we have, I haven't read them, but I, I saw some interesting things. Um, well, don't say them. Yet, okay. Because okay. you're going to spoil. Well, let you, are you going to guide us through your your highlights? I guess. Well, I mean, so my my first point about the release notes is if you do the PDF version of it, it's 472 pages long. I know. Yeah. But a lot of it, you can just. <laughs> Basically, skip over. Yeah, but you end up missing things when you skip over it. So yeah, you, you, can, you can skim strategic. and then focus on. I really hate that filtering feature on the web-based version. It really sucks. I can't stand it. And when you navigate around, sometimes it goes blank or doesn't show up, or I don't know what its deal is. I, I just always do the PDF. I, I, I do, but I, I like being able to click through and, and get that kind of truncated view versus the PDF, yeah. where you still have all the content front and back. I guess it depends on what mode you're in, because sometimes I like the continuous view of the PDF, because then I can just I can scroll and skim. Yeah, but the PDF also like, like re-index. on the web. It has like an index right in the middle of it of all the things it's going to talk about later, and yeah. that index sometimes refers to, to things that happened before. Yeah, like there's parts of that index where and I'm calling it an index or table of contents or whatever, but at some point it says here's here's some things about the Lightning experience. So it went through and talked about general stuff, and then talked about browser support, and then it talked about a few other things. And then it talked about lightning experience. And then it bolted everything because everything's lightning. Everything's lightning. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, well, why is this link here? Because I, I thought I read that up here. Is there more detail? So I click on it and it takes me back in the document. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. So they're moving it. They're really moving it's, away from the PDF. They, have, they just have the PDF for people like us who are like, I want my PDF. I don't, honestly, I don't think that'll go away. I bet you they have a, I bet they probably write their, the documentation in, um, and like, what's it? Late LaTeX or LaTeX? Don't don't email me, please. Um, or what's the other one? Book BookML or DocML or whatever. There's mm-hmm. like there's these different markup languages that are they're really good at this stuff. And then you can basically just 
That it's automated. Uses Markdown you can, you can, and does can, that. You can just you know you 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 type bill or you just push the button and it generates it generates the web version. It generates the PDF. It generates whatever you mm-hmm. want. You know from that from that source. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they use something like that. So I, my guess is it's it's an incrementally very small cost for them to keep producing PDFs. I'm sure. I'd like to see what the numbers are. The only thing I usually use the online docs for is um, they've. I don't know if. If Salesforce has gotten really good at making their content Googleable, I think they probably they probably have. I'm sure they do things to make sure it's you know optimized for search engines. But also, you know, Google and I'm sure the other search engines do a really good job of. Um, I mean, I think Salesforce is like an important thing now, right? So it's mm-hmm. if you just Google like some API name, and sometimes if it's not specific enough, like you might have to, I just put the word Salesforce or SFDX yeah. or something, and then it goes right to the right thing in the documentation. Yeah, that's what I have to do. Yeah, and so that's that's pretty good. I mean, so I use it for like lookups and reference and stuff like that. But when I want to like read through like, um, I don't know, like the Lightning Developer Guide or release notes or whatever, I want the PDF. And I OCD level download. Every time there's a new release of Salesforce, I download like all the PDFs. You can make a collage of all the cover art and put it on your wall. <laughs> oh no, that's what you should do. Every time you brew a homebrew, make it one of the covers. Of what? One of the release notes. Oh. So every release you have is a beer. Uh, every release has, has, you know, has its own beer I, and that's the some, cover art. I need, I need work-life balance in my life, John. Oh, come on. <laughs> I, need, I need some, some separation. <laughs> yeah, I, I just picked out a few things that I either piqued my interest or I thought people should be aware of if they're not paying attention. So, Well, let's go through some. Let's, let's do that. Uh, the, the first one is, of course, the impending doom of everyone's going to be on Lightning in winter. Yeah, so is that that Classic's literally not going to be available, or, there, or what is that? No, it's just that the Lightning experience will be turned on. So you can turn, right now, you don't have to turn on Lightning experience. You can just be on Classic, and no one will ever access Lightning experience. Um, after winter 20, they'll... It'll be on. Everyone will be on it. That switch will be on, and, and you'll be able to you'll be able to go between classic and and lightning. But you'll always end up in lightning first. How, how do you currently give users access to lightning? Is it a permission? There's a setting that to, to enable it first of all. Okay. And then yeah, there was a permission. And, and then once it's enabled, can users just? Oh, do they see the that switch to lightning? They'll see, and they'll everyone switch to so there's no permission. There's no right. if, if lightning is enabled, everyone will see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like they're sticking to what their kind of promise was that don't worry when it so. was announced? You did? Yeah, because the, the misconception is they, that Classic you, will go away and you'll be in Lightning all 100%. Um, but that won't be the case. You'll still be able to get to well, Classic. They're still set up, right? So they're you're still, still set up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But however, you still, do have, you still have to do the work of making sure that your stuff is compatible because people will be in Lightning more than likely yeah. and might not switch to Classic and will start clicking around and things like your Visual Force pages or things like that that you've customized may not interact correctly or may not work or may not redirect correctly. So those are all things you have to... Well, that's what I was talking about. You know, are they sticking to their promise that they made that, hey, don't, you know, yeah, we're coming out with this completely different thing and it's going to be great, but don't worry. You're not, we're never going to take Classic away. We're never going to take Visual Force away. You're fine. Don't worry. Yeah, it's not going away, but you still have to prepare for... But you're saying it, you're saying stuff's going to break. And that, to me, yeah, that, is, to to me pre- that is going You have away. to pre- prepare for things to break. You're going to have users in two different environments okay. potentially. Right. Some still clicking around on classic, and some in lightning. So, so they, so they certainly haven't done it in a way that your stuff's not going to break without you spending resources on fixing things. Right. Okay. All right. But I mean, they have the the readiness tool, which is getting better, and they're continuing to add stuff to it. So it's supposed to analyze your whole org and hmm. tell you, you know, what points you need to focus on. Literally, never use that. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> it, it helps. I mean, I'm sure we'd it like uh, other people on my team do, but that's just not, not my thing. It, it helps. It's a good starting point. I've done full manual audits of systems, which is really painful. Really? Uh, especially yeah. since I, I, I kind of rely on the metadata API. So exactly. I try to download as much metadata as I can and start combing through that. And then I start going through the interface of areas where I think there's going to be buttons and things like that that I might have missed. Typically, I have that covered in the metadata, but I still go through and look at all that. Um, there's also little gotchas with the way people have done formula fields to do URLs that are linking to other records and things like that you have to watch out for. So there's, there's a lot of different places where things kind of crept in, kind yeah. of this legacy stuff where you just have to go, yeah, we can't do that anymore. Yep. So... Uh, one nice, one nice uh, quality of life feature I think is that right now when you switch between classic, you kind of get thrown, or switch between classic and uh, lightning, is you kind of get thrown into a default homepage mode when you switch sometimes. And so apparently now it'll remember context, and you'll, it'll if you're on a record, you'll go to a record whenever you switch back and forth. So say that again, because I'm not sure I'm following. So I'm not, I'm not sure if this happens in all scenarios, but I know it's, it's something I've. It's annoyed me in the past, but I've gotten used to it to the point where I don't even see it anymore. Right. But when you switch between classic and lightning, you end up in a different context. Oh, okay. So I might have been on a record, and I might have switched to classic, and I'll end up in classic home, or vice versa. I might have been in classic and end up in lightning home. I, like I said, it, it's it's been there long enough that I don't notice it anymore, so I don't know how much of an issue it is for people, but for me, it's annoying. Yep. Um, but I got used to it. So. so I thought that was nice. Yeah. Uh, they're raising the limit for custom objects, apparently. I did not know this This was a... I mean, I knew it was a limit. I didn't know it was this high, though. But it's apparently, it's getting raised to 2,500 objects. Which you can have in an org. It's a big org. That's for, like, enterprise? Yeah. Um, man, I wish I, I... I saw some really interesting... But that includes... That's inclusive of both the stuff you create in your org and stuff that gets created in your org by managed packages. Yeah. I, I, Who's hitting that limit? <laughs> I don't I know. know. Who is hitting that limit? I had seen a, a couple of, I opened up Twitter the other day and I saw some people tweet some really awesome, um, what I thought were awesome things in the release notes, but I forget what they are. Oh, well, maybe, not, maybe, not, maybe, maybe not, I'll come across it. Like I say, they're not boring things like, you maybe know, I'll come across our, it. Our, our custom object limit went from 1,500 to 2,500, which <laughs> those, were, those were just the, the just that, stuff I picked that, out of the general that I thought okay. was interesting. All right. The, Jeez, man. Well, I'm just saying, I, I hope you're, I hope this list is uh, in, in increasing excitement, not decreasing. hope we're going in the good direction here. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, there's an enhancements to related list, which I'm excited about. I think it's awesome. Um, you, you'll be able to display up to 10 records, although the documentation, I think, is wrong. In the documentation description, it says you can, you can have up to 10 columns now, but then in the screenshot for the config for the related list, the enhanced related list component, um, it says you can have up to 10 rows. So I'm not sure which one's right. It's either 10 columns or 10 rows, but I'm pretty sure it's 10 rows. Of what? So on a related list, you typically only get five rows, and then you have to do the view all. It oh. looks like we're able to change oh, that number. Configurable. I thought that was, thought that was configurable. Right? So Isn't we I? should be able to get 10. I don't know. Maybe okay. it's 10 rows or 10 columns. Either way, that should be coming. Uh, you'll be able to resize, resize and sort the columns, which is nice. Um, resize? You can't do that already? Not on a related list. You can't resize? No. You can sort, you though. You, right? I don't think you can sort. Yeah, sure you can. can you sort? Yes. Maybe you can. Uh, like you can perform too. mass actions. We'll get wrap text, which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. And then you'll have some new quick filters, which it looked like the quick filters were only available on that that uh, view all mode whenever you drill into it. Yeah. So it doesn't yeah. look like it's on the actual page, but you can drill into okay. it. So 
Uh, some nice improvements to related lists because those have been kind of painful and I've actually had to write custom components because customers did not like what was shown. What do you not like about the current related list? They're just so basic. You basically get a list, a few columns, um, the type of data you can show. Like, What are you talking about? I've seen list views with tons of columns. Related lists. Related lists. Related oh, lists. I'm sorry. I'm thinking totally not. I'm spacing. I'm, I'm thinking of list, uh, list views. Oh, no. Related lists. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, that would be cool to have like a filter on them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm following you now. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, list views did apparently get a a boost in search. I'm not sure what this means, but apparently pick list values are are included in your search now. I don't know what that means. It's probably when you you know when you set up filters. Uh, if you if you choose a pick list field, you maybe you get presented with the a search text uh, instead or of the oh no the like a a a pick list of the pick list values. So, so you can uh, maybe. instead of just having to free hand type. Yeah. Uh, they're opening up surveys. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. used surveys that have surveys things, yeah. but they are opening it up to more objects. Um, you'll build it, and they're changing the way the licensing works on it. Apparently, they were charging for having surveys and sending out surveys. Now you can send as many surveys as you want, unlimited, and you can send out a, a ton of emails to people, unlimited. Uh, hey, go take this survey, and you can do that for leads, uh, contacts, and something else. I forgot. So, is, is the survey thing in general? Do you think do you consider that a Sherlocking? Because of course there were. I'm, I'm sure many very good survey apps no, available I think from it's the still Exchange. a very basic implementation yeah. and it kind of gets you there. Okay. It's kind of like it's kind of like the poly thing that we use in Slack. It's like it just it gets you there. It doesn't have all the cool whiz bang stuff. Yeah. You kind of have to work with what it is. Mm. So I don't think it's going to impact any of those other tools, especially since all those other tools do quite a bit, but yeah, I don't know. I mean it is it's a V1 at this point so maybe they've got big plans for it. Mm, doubt it. I think it solves like a very sm- a, a need to say, "Hey, we've yeah. got the survey, but mm-hmm. if you need more, go to this app." But it, it checks a box to say, yeah, "Yeah, we've got it." I saw that it does. Like you, I guess you build a list, and it will send out the invitations and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now the the gotcha is that you there is a charge, but it's on the number of responses you get. So you get the first three hundred responses free, and then after that, you have to buy response packs, which it didn't go into details on what those were. But I guess you could say, "I need a pack of a thousand, and I don't know. Here's my credit card. Who knows?" Because it's so expensive to process a few HTTP requests. Oh my god, <laughs> gotta make money somehow, man. That will. We got these towers to pay for. There, there's your answer. We got these phallic towers to pay for. That's true. <laughs> <clears throat> They're building that that little stubby tower in Dublin. Apparently, did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> is, is that like a? I didn't. I didn't get. I didn't drill into the image, but I did see it. It was on Slack. Is, is, does that? I was like, is that showing in construction? Like, is it going to grow? I know. I think that's the height of it. That's the height of it. It's just a little nubbin oh, compared to the compared nub. to the compared to the the San Francisco tower. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, <laughs> Get a little nub tower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, America. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. America. <laughs> Speaking of towers, um, did you see that? And I, and we can we can come back yeah, to your your thing. Fine. But um, uh, what's the guys? What's the mayor of New York? The, De Blasio, Bill, or oh, Bill De Blasio? I, I lost track of those mayors. Anyway, he, he's interesting. He's he's always very newsworthy. Um, the stuff he says, but this the most recent one is uh, that they're gonna that he wants to ban um, big buildings, tall buildings. He's like, we're gonna what do you say? We're gonna ban the. I actually had an article here. We're gonna ban the the classic glass and steel skyscrapers. Uh, Bill de Blasio said Monday he plans to crack down on the classic you know, glass and steel skyscrapers because they're, whatever, energy efficient or something? Because they're not energy efficient? And I guess because they, they are energy efficient. It's part of, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's part of the Green New Deal also. Oh, I can, yeah. <laughs> John Singer from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. 
very yeah, three ideas. We're putting uh, I don't know. You got to clean up your act. You got to retrofit. You got to save energy. <laughs> it's gonna it, this mandate is gonna ensure that we reduce emissions. I thought the Salesforce Tower in San Francisco like got awards for being so energy efficient and with all the glass coatings and everything else they have going on. It, I think I'm sure it did. I'm sure, I'm sure it's, they recycle yeah, yeah. poop, and I'm sure as the poop comes down, it like <laughs> it runs through a generator that generates electricity <laughs> from the top floor down. So was that was that okay? I can't remember now. Was that like a fake article? That one that to talked about how it had a poop recycler in it. Did you remember that? <laughs> we talked about that. I can't remember if that was real. I mean, that's something that you'd be like, I actually would believe that. Yeah. They got plenty of poop in San Francisco. In fact, that's been all over the news. Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm just, I'm tired of the topic, so I didn't, I don't even want to bring it up. But I mean, I've seen there's more, I mean, uh, written articles, print stuff, uh, ongoing TV series segments and stuff on San Francisco's poop and needle problem. Mm. It's a problem. It's just, I guess it's getting worse. I don't know. Yeah, or maybe it's not getting worse. I I don't know, but it just they're the media certa seem to be jumping on it. Yeah. Anyway, okay, back to release notes. Yeah, back to the boring release notes. Uh, search. Now uh, a few little changes to search, just in how it organizes things based on user context. Uh, navigation bar. Yeah, you get to see more items when you do that little drop down. You you totally have missed the the exciting things about this release. Hold on, theming and branding. So uh, now you'll be able to do colors on your hyperlinks. I can't wait for that. Clients will be able to have red hyperlinks, blue hyperlinks, green hyperlinks. That'll be awesome. Um, changes to the view. Uh, Rich Text Editor is now upgraded to 4.11.2. Did you know that? <laughs> are you just trolling me now? I can't. These are actual things that are results. It's pretty meh, but uh, yeah, it's there. Uh, reporting. I thought this was kind of cool. The, uh, role level formulas in reporting, which I think is is really cool because so much of the config on an object ends up servicing reports. So you'll have formula fields that exist only for a report. Oh, right. You'll have, mm-hmm. you know, functions and things the, in there that only for reports. It's all about the power of one, John. It is. <laughs> um, so I think that'll be a good way to kind of clean up the data model a bit. So what, uh, well, I, I missed the, what was the new feature? A row-level formula. It's a beta row, feature. What is a row-level formula? What does that mean? Just for a record on a report, you'll be able to give it a formula. And you I can say... you already could do that. I, I think you can, but to it's very limited. It's not like a row-by-row row thing. I, I, don't quote me on that. That's yeah. just what it says. Um, anyways, that's what that was my take on it. Uh, there's there's this new thing called um, some kind of conditional f- conditional notifications on reports. So apparently, if like the conditions of you can set up like this condition logic, okay, and if those conditions are met, it can send a notification to you. So it's mm, almost kind of okay. like a way of getting a, re- a report based on conditions, which I think mm. is interesting. Okay. Uh, so let's get into some code stuff. Yeah, let's do that. There's a new security class. I'm not sure any people are excited about that, but it's a, it's a pilot. So to, it's supposed to be able to kind of strip out all the things from a DML operation that a user doesn't have access to, which I'm not sure how that works in practice, if that's good or bad. I don't know. So, I don't know. <clears throat> Something to look into. Uh, triggers. There's this new thing, and I'm not sure exactly how what it is. I just kind of got to copy the description because I wasn't sure if you could help me understand this. But there's a there's a new thing in the trigger context. There's a new method called get resume checkpoint, and it supposedly returns the replay ID of some checkpoint that you set up. I don't I didn't know you could do this, but are you able to set checkpoints in triggers as context as a way to kind of stop and replay? I don't think triggers? that this has anything to do with the change data capture. The new change data. Ca- in fact. I, I the one thing I want to know about this release is has change data capture gone um, public? 
or what is it? What's it called? GA? I think it is. I think it does in this one. Um, but it, it, I think you're right because it, it revolves around platform events, but it says uh, it sets a checkpoint in the event stream where the platform event trigger resumes execution in a new invocation. <clears throat> Yeah, that's one thing about. It. So I haven't used change data capture yet because I'm not going to spill spend time and people's money building something that might go away because it's it's been in preview or beta and it's not guaranteed to ever make it. Nor do we know how much it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but it's basically like a change tip, you know, classic change data capture. But I think it's implemented as platform events. And the one thing I've wondered about that is, um, you know, platform events don't participate in transactions like they don't. They don't roll back, or they, 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 the the event fires whether a rollback happens or not. And mm-hmm. if that's the same thing on with change data capture, if they're using platform events for that, then that that would suck to get a notification. Oh, hey, this account changed, and the name changed from ABC to XYZ, and you go update your database for that, and then, and then it's like later, it's like, oh, psych, nope, that transaction rolled back. You didn't know that, no. Psych. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little handshake, psych. Let's see, change data capture. Where is that? Change data capture. Um, it doesn't say that it's... It, I don't see a warning. It would either say beta, pilot, or G... or It's just... Did, it, all, did it already go public? It might public? have, maybe in the last so release. Huh. Since we were supposed to review the last release notes and we never did. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is really that. useful for like integrations. I mean, this actually makes um, integrations, can make integrations quite a bit better. Anyway. Uh, this one, this one, I wasn't sure if it was a good idea or a bad idea, but then I thought of ISVs and I thought, okay, that's a good idea. But this was the, on Process Builder, you'll be able to reference metadata type records. You'll be able to reference metadata types. Yeah. Okay. So you'll be able to configure a, a value in a metadata custom metadata object and reference that in your process builder. At first I thought, well, it's the same difference. You have a value either hard-coded in the process builder, you have a value in the metadata. I can't effectively mock custom metadata types because I can't create them. So I can't, I can't in a test create a metadata record. I are they not, are, are the types not already there? They are, but it's changeable, which means your test is going to change if you're relying on the values in there. What's changeable? The, the metadata values. So you have a custom metadata object, and you can configure it with fields, and you can say, okay, here's my batch size limit. Yeah, It's right. 50. Uh-huh. But I have to rely on that 50 being there if I'm testing that functionality, or maybe right. even better. But, here's it's, a, but it's part of... See, that's what people don't understand about custom metadata types. They don't work the same way as, as uh, custom settings. No, they don't. You can't create them. I mean, you can, but they're supposed to be... No, you can't create them in code. You right, can't create right. them in a test. They're, you can't right. mock them. Because they're supposed to be almost like... They're supposed to be like... Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. This is probably this is this is one of these hard things to communicate. But they're they're basically static. They're it's like it's like a custom field. They're almost like considered like a as static as a custom field is like. Of course, you're going to write it. You're going to write test code that references that that custom field, and the name's not the name of that custom field is not going to change. It's just going to be what it is, and you should rely on that in your tests. Just like your custom metadata types, you should consider them static. Like they're going to be there. It's part of your build. It's part of the metadata. It's not a it's not a record. It's not a data record. It's like metadata. It is, but there's right. values that are user changeable. Are they? Che- no, I didn't think yes. they were. They're not supposed to be used yes. like that. They are. Well, you then can, I think you can set up a field. Then I think you should use custom settings for that. That's your use. You're, you're, again, this is where I think people are using these tools wrong. They don't understand them, or maybe I don't understand them. That's a distinct possibility, but I think people don't understand these. Maybe. 
Yeah, because I mean, they're supposed I to think be. With metadata types, th- the attraction why, is that they okay. the, that data deploys, whereas See, custom yes, settings yes. the data and exactly. Does not. That's what I was just about to point out. Think about it that way. It's part of your deployment, your your build. The records for the custom metadata are in your source code. Mm-hmm. They're part of the build. They don't change. And if they do change, then your new tests that or whatever code uses those also change because it's part of your build. It's in source control. That's not what, and that's fine. But people do use them. They do have settings within them that are user changeable. I, I just think you're doing it wrong because next time you do, next time you deploy, it's going to roll back. You're going to lose those changes. Yeah, I know. So you're doing it wrong. I mean, you're. I, I can't blame Salesforce or the feature for people just aren't are not doing the right thing. I with think it. there's. I think there is a feature that prevents that. But still, it's 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 an issue if you're using custom metadata types that that you can't rely on the data. You can't create it in a test, so you can't effectively control the scenario. You have to. I mean, doesn't Salesforce still? Because for the longest time they didn't. Maybe they did it, but there's there for the longest time there was not even any UI whatsoever to edit custom metadata types. It it was no. only via metadata and and via I believe there no, was a, it, it always had a UI did it yeah. I thought it didn't no it did okay it I just looks I, like I, a, looks no I think for the for a, for the first several maybe there's a pilot releases. where it didn't but that yeah no it, I've always used the the UI to create them yeah shouldn't they're gonna get rolled back as soon as someone does a deploy I think there's a feature that says whether or not to roll it back or not if it's user defined change like if it, I think there's code in there that says <laughs> and I also don't like that I don't I don't like that it can be, can be changed and then I don't and then and then I don't know that basically I'm, I'm, that's not coming back into my code because now you're probably you could be breaking tests or breaking breaking stuff well it does they're almost like there's almost supposed to be used like seed data like a list of countries or stuff like that it's well there, I mean like I said like, there's, there's an attraction to it because the the settings and data that you deploy do deploy but yeah there's some of them that are configurable by, by the user by the admin and you know, what do you do in that scenario? Which is why I have a I, I wouldn't interface use those. For those. I wouldn't use those. Well, I, I wouldn't do it that way. Either way, personally. you can reference that those in Process Builder in a formula, and you should be able to use that data. Um, again, it, to me, it's still the same difference. It's hard-coding data that's not going to be able to change or it's going to affect your tests. So what's the difference? And I guess for ISVs, it protects the data a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah, because I'm, I'm sure ISVs can prevent people from changing their um, custom-made data types. Yeah. Uh, developer, console, con- developer console uh, is getting a pretty formata- formatter. So it's using prettier as a code format, which is the same one that uh, Visual Studio Code uses. So that'll be nice. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, it's kind of wish they put their resources into just re, you know, redoing the whole thing. I'm sure they are, but maybe this is a quick win because I, I was surprised. Um, after hearing from a lot of developers, how many are actually using Developer Console for stuff? I mean, you use it, but usually it's just for real. No, limited. some people are using it as their primary dev tool, and I'm like, what? <laughs> These are Salesforce developers, John. They probably haven't seen a text editor. I would, you know, text editor is just not a thing that a lot of people have or do. That's just not a thing they do. Maybe so. You, Here's one you like: the browser. It's everything's in the like. browser. Uh, debug logs raised from raise the limit from five megs to twenty megs. Oh, that's actually one one of the ones I was excited yeah. about. Um, and and they're also saying that pretty. I think I thought it was more than that. Also, like the retention is much longer now. Yeah, the retention uh, is, for the five fifty minute window is two fifty to one thousand megs. My comment on that was yikes. I'm glad IC has a delete all logs feature because the only time I ever hit that limit uh, is when so a that delete all logs inter- feature. And, I, and <clears throat> I'm it's probably not IC's fault. Probably the way the API works. But it, if you have more than a few hundred or whatever, it's slow. No, it is slow. Yeah. I think it, it, it actually has to do it in chunks, I believe, because you can't actually delete all. There's no command for that. I think you have to actually delete in chunks. Yeah. So that's what he's 
and there's no API command for that. That's just a nice to have feature that he layered on top of existing APIs. Yeah. So, but yeah, the, the only time I really run into that limit, and maybe others have different experiences, is when a rogue integration or account or integration account has logging enabled and it just eats up all the logs. How do you keep the logging enabled? Can, can you just because you're sharing accounts and no, 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 and no that's, hang on. Using, that's, not, that's not what I meant. <clears throat> so, okay, so with with in any other development slash hosting platform in the world, you typically have some type of logging facility. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in Java, it's SLF for J or log for J, and if you're in .NET, it's whatever. Everything's got logging, right? Mm-hmm. And every OS has you know, a logging API of some sort. So you're going to be doing some kind of logging because you need to be able to not only find out when bad stuff happens with your app, mm-hmm. but you also usually, nowadays, it's cloud, right, and, and everything, you're usually feeding that log, even the good stuff, into a either a um, an APM of some sort like um, or or a, a log analysis thing or Grafana or one of these things, right? That, so you can just go in and look at the health of your application. Mm-hmm. You know, average response time over over time, average memory usage, over, all these things, right? Um, and logging's just on. Well, mm-hmm. my understanding with this is, even with this change, like you still can't use logging like that with Salesforce. You still don't no. get that. You still have basically no app. There's no app monitoring. There's no log monitoring. No, there is. You okay. just have to pay for it. How do you do that? Um, it's part of the Shield package, but there's a event monitoring Oh, well, Shield package. comes with all well, kinds of baggage I don't want. It, no, no, it, Shield is is the term for it, but um, people have been buying piecemeal out of Shield. So that whatever that whatever is in that package of Shield, which is like encryption and field history track, enhanced field history tracking yeah. and event monitoring, right? All of those can be bought separately. And I and I haven't looked at what type of logging you get with that, so I I, I don't know whether I would even consider it acceptable or not for for these purposes I just described. Yeah, you get access to quite a bit of information. I don't have all the details right now, but. You also get an app to install, an analytics app to install that you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to, <laughs> to like, you have to sign and say, I won't use app. this, yeah. I won't use this for anything but the event monitoring. I promise, because they technically can't restrict you from using it with other data, apparently. So you kind of have to just say, I promise not to. Yeah. So this obviously, you know, this 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 <laughs> raises hair on people's neck. Just here, hearing this kind of stuff, the super. Proprietary limitedness or whatever. No, I, mean, I don't want it's that. A file I want, you can I want access. log it's a file files. You can, I want you can, log, log it's a files. You can download and plug into other systems. And, and I just wonder what they give you. Do they give you, you know, everything that comes in the load balancer? Do you, can you see response times? Can you see, you know, IP I think for a lot of it and, you can, okay. I, but I don't know how deep into yeah, the platform itself right. it goes. Like you're not going to see true CPU metrics yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. But anyways, I mean, usually even just access logs and response times would be would be nice, but I don't think you can get those. But in 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 you know again um, having like a, a I guess that, is that considered structured data I don't know the standard kind of logging format they even like Salesforce debug logs have but there's mm-hmm. a, there's a format to it right and even just having that available and and feeding into a, a monitoring tool um, I think that's its purpose pl- the the analytics app they give you is just a quick win for customers who have it enabled and need to use it immediately so so again let me go back to I was saying a second. In the past, I've never been able to <clears throat> say, like, say, turn debugging on for my whole. First of all, for my whole org, not just a, a certain class. Mm-hmm. That's almost completely useless. Um, or like a certain user. That's the other thing you can do, right? Can you just say, first of all, turn? I want worn and worse for my entire org, and it, I don't want that to expire. It just it's on. Yeah. Can you do that? Mm-hmm. 
for your whole org, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't ever stops with event persistent. Yes. No, no, no. I won't. I mean, just. Oh no. I've got nope. enterprise edition. Nope. nope. Yeah. Can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> got to pay the big bucks. Uh, type of went GA. Hang on. Which Hang on. I can't let this go. Can't let this go. Yeah. You can't do this with Salesforce. <laughs> So type of one of these days. Type of is has been on my radar for so long that I forgot about it until I read it and hear that it went GA. It's just just just, yeah, it's just a SQL uh, keyword that lets you kind of define like for the polymorphic fields. Yes, that's just GA. That's just GA. Oh gosh, because I remember (laughs) that from. It seems like I remember that years ago. Yeah, that's actually a nice feature because if depending on the type you get, um, you can basically select different fields, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. I'm happy. I'm happy. I, I I have to figure out if I have a use case for it anymore. At the time, I did and was excited about it, but it's been so long. I'm like, meh. I that's found a, it. That's an actually a, a kind of little interesting bit of innovation there. I think um, that they because they control the their query language um, and but they also kind of introduced that concept. I mean, what database has polymorphic fields? Well, some actually some do. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't typically use them, but. Some do. That, that isn't a text field where you can put it. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, there are databases, that, you know, modern databases, modern databases, mm-hmm. relational databases do support polymorphic. I mean, you can have, basically, essentially, like, they're like conditional foreign keys, essentially. Um, you can do that kind of stuff. But, I mean, yeah, Salesforce has had that for a very long time. I still time. would like a custom object to support it. I would like a polymorphic field. Yeah. But anyway, the, the fact that they now, they're, they've added something to the query language that plays on, off of that, the polymorphic fields, that, I don't know, it's just a nice little... Nice little uh, nugget there. Yeah, no, it's it's welcomed. Now uh, this one's a weird one. I I think it's going to cause people problems, which is the only reason I'm, I'm bringing it up. It's in the critical updates, and that is that if you have a class with an invocable method that you're calling from a flow, you now have to make sure that users have access to that class. I get it; it makes yeah, sense, yeah. but it's just something that's going to. It's going to get people. <laughs> yeah, they're going to they're going to they're going to do their piecemeal deployment, yeah. and they're going to think they're all good, and then they're going to not understand why certain users that's failing for, for them. Yeah, so that, like, that because already anything security related is incredibly hard to deploy. In fact, I mean, if you read like because I've been doing you know more DX stuff. Oh, it gets stuff, worse. <clears throat> I got I got and, one for you. And some of these like DX tutorials and articles and things, they're just like, yeah, just don't do security stuff for now. <laughs> Pretty much, it's where is it? It's not where is it in my notes. Okay, I don't know where it is in my notes, but there's another feature um, called a muted permission set. This is gonna this muted, is gonna be crazy. Muted permission. Okay, yeah. I can't wait to hear what this so is. So you're gonna you're <laughs> gonna you, you can only apply it to groups apparently, but for a group, and you can only apply one of these muted permission sets, but it, it it'll actually remove a permission. This is a, this is gonna be the first attempt at this. I think it's oh, gonna be, it's oh, a pilot. Can, oh, it's a yeah, pilot. Boy, that's it's a pilot. <laughs> so whether or not this will become GA is is a big if, but you'll be able to take away a permission. So what if someone has a permission set that adds it, and then another permission set that removes it? Which wins? The one that removes it. And by the way, Salesforce has, I mean, up until this point, if you look at all the different mechanisms that are part of their whole security model, um, aren't they always additive? Like, yes. Yeah. It's and, always been something to, we can at least rely on and say we're always adding permissions. With the complexity of, of everything, with yeah. profiles and permission sets and everything else, it's been that one kind of constant, that, yeah. that one thing we could anchor our foundation on and say, at least we're only adding permissions. This is one of the things, like one of Salesforce's really big customers, or like they That's said, probably. hey, we'll, we'll sign that, you know, $400 million deal, but we got to have this. Probably. But, it, but you know, like I said, I mean, there's there's a kind of a beauty to that. You're always um, adding access. Mm-hmm. 
If they can give us a better way to visualize permissions, this stuff maybe. Man. I remember 15 years ago, that was one, I mean, one of the hardest things for admins to truly understand was like this intersection of profiles, roles, territories, and, and owner hierarchy. It just, yeah, and then we layered even, permissions. Even, yeah, we think of, of stuff we've added. I mean, even there's been all kinds of permissions, or, you know, that we now we have, I mean, uh, rec, what are they, what are the, what's the data, data oriented, um, uh, there's like a security rule. Like, is it security rules? What are those called? The sharing um, rules? Sharing rules, yeah. sharing sets. I mean, there's, and now we've got. And then, like communities has a different one, like sharing na- something. Yeah. they. Uh, yeah. And then now we've got negating permission sets. I mean, this is just, this is starting to get. A l- it's going to get it, pretty crazy. It's, I mean, yeah. it's, it's very hard for me sometimes to understand. It's supposed what to be really limited on. in scope. Like you're, you're only be able to, supposed to be able to apply one to, to a certain group. I, but still it's. Without a good way of visualizing it, it's going to cause some heartburn, I think. But again, it's it's a pilot feature. Well, it can also, I guess, I'm trying to think of what the what the rationale or use case is of this. Can you think of something? They they described one. They said uh, instead of creating, an, uh, let's see, uh, muting percent. Uh, where's that example? Well, so here's mine. Let me say this. My my use case is it actually might reduce the number of permission sets you have. You could reduce the number of permission sets instead of having to have, you know, all. Uh, you know, permutations of permission sets that that have this one permission and don't, you can actually just, anyone who you don't want to That's have this example. one feature, so, you can apply that permission So the example set. they yeah. gave is a sales staff users group. And in that user group, it includes the sales staff, but also the managers. They want managers to have delete permissions. They don't want the rest of the people in that group to have delete permissions. So rather than creating a whole new permission set, one called sales staff and one called sales staff managers, you would just have that one and you would have a muting permission that would take away the delete access. Yeah. So <clears throat> someone just uh, pointed something out in the, in our Slack here that um, this, I think I saw this earlier, but batches can now, if you have batch jobs, mm-hmm. they can raise platform events if an error happens. Yeah, that's, that was in my notes somewhere. <laughs> okay. I got lost. I jumped around. And that's pretty nice, I guess. What, so what were your options with, I mean, you could always, Trying to think of what happened when, I mean, you could log. Uh, you could always just insert a record somewhere. Is typically uh, what would happen. Yeah, and then you'd have another triggering mechanism that would fire off another. So was the problem before you <laughs> couldn't in a batch you couldn't create platform events at all? Right. Really? Yeah. I I've never I'd never tried, so I didn't even know that was a limitation. That's what they say it is. I never tried either. Sorry, I don't mean to speak with authority. Yeah. <laughs> that's just that's that's the scenario they painted. So uh, they they have this new object coming, and I don't remember if this is a GA thing or what. I think I'm able to use it on, on a kind of recent project because uh, I'm getting more and more use cases for terms of service on communities as part of a login flow, um, which we end up just kind of sticking that kind of confirmation on the user record. But apparently there's this new track customer consent with authorization form objects. So you're, you're supposed to be able to track consent on like terms of service and things like that on a separate object. And it's supposed to like handle time periods and things like that for it. So hmm. I guess that'll be nice. Is that like a GDPR type of thing? I guess, maybe. Uh, there's also some new objects to track credit score and influencer information. So apparently you'll be able to identify certain records in your system, like accounts that are influencers in the industry. Again, really light on details. I don't don't really know too much about it, but maybe we'll dig into that. Um, and you'll be able to accelerate removing deleted fields from your org. So apparently you'll be able to kind of do a full purge of all their custom fields that are eating up your record counts or your field counts. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's it of the boring stuff. That's all I pulled out. I, I There's a lot I didn't get to. There's a lot of stuff I wanted to get to, but um, 
timing wise and everything, I got to wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, uh, there is one thing that was pointed out in our Slack that this is this is an awesome feature. Um, I think Salesforce would do more things like this, and it's the uh, celebrate milestones feature. Oh yeah, I saw that. That's, um, that's the that's the path the path subject celebrate milestones yeah. and apparently like you reach a certain milestone you'll get a burst of confetti on the screen yeah. that is fun <laughs> I was I, I had to look to see if it was the, the onion or not when I saw no that. It's, it's a real thing it's, it's in the release notes now there's only one thing that I think would make this you better know, okay <laughs> and that's to have some audio to go with it yeah and so I've chosen my choice of audio that I think would go perfect uh, with this confetti. I'm, I'm going to ask Jeremy to play that for okay. us. Okay, so where, where'd you put that? Was that a Dropbox thing? Yeah, it's in, a, it's in our Dropbox. What's, what's the... Okay, hang on. Oh, here it is. You ready? Ready. It's my birthday! <laughs> that would make it better. <laughs> not, I'm not convinced about that, John. Um, no? Kind of long. I don't. I'm not sure about the whole birthday thing. Hey, it beats it beats a bell. You know, the traditional thing is you have a bell and uh, you win a sale. You ring the bell. I think you keep it short and simple, something like this. Uh, That's a pretty good one, huh? Oh, you got to get up and dance. You got you got to make everyone jealous that you're making sales. Uh, I guess so. I mean, I guess if maybe on a bit, like you know, how Salesforce always had like the big deal alert. Maybe if it's a big enough, if you close a, a deal that hits a certain threshold, then you get the you get the my birthday. Yeah. And then I want a dancing Benny off. I'm sorry, but I do. And the get and the Jeff Goldblum outfit, <laughs> the gold outfit. Yeah. We uh, should make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up because I got to get going. All right. Well, no, that was good. I mean. We can wrap up now. Um, join us in the Slack if you're not there already. GoodDaySirPodcast.com. You click on Community and just put your email address in. John will add you manually. He loves uh, work. Uh, so give, it, give him some work to do. I do. Uh, email us, info at GoodDaySirPodcast.com. You can send us questions or topics or rants or complaints or whatever you want. Uh, we we do little career advice things and just whatever. We'll, we'll answer anything. We'll make, we'll make it up if we have to. And then, uh, rev- you know, leave us a review. Like us on your favorite podcasting platform, the heart or the star or whatever the mechanism is. We appreciate those. They do something, supposedly. You know what? But nothing beats, John. This I just saw this, you know, this this group of podcaster experts and there did some studies and it showed that still nothing beats word of mouth. Good old IRL word of mouth. So please tell your colleagues, your friends, when you're at Trailhead and Dreamforce and uh, in your local group. Tell them about the show. Maybe they've never heard of it. Maybe. I mean, how are we going to get rich and famous if people aren't spreading the word, you know? We'd have to charge first. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Dang it. I knew, I knew we forgot something. <laughs> Our business plan is lacking here. Yeah. <laughs> and to that, I say, good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. <laughs>